Hi, everyone. I have Matt Smith with me in the studio today. Hi, Matt. Hey, good board. Thanks for stopping by. Um, we're talking about colors and palettes and all this, and it's interesting to see you know each artist's palettes and, and why and what have you. Um, we were painting outside not long ago, and I, I looked over at Matt's palette, and, and I thought, man, this would be a great conversation um, if you can explain to folks out there that are listening, um, and it was a it was a, it's a it was a smaller palette, but it had a nice range of colors. It wasn't like three colors, mother colors and white. Um, you had a, a nice range of colors. So, what is why do you have that? What's your philosophy on on that palette that you have? Why why do you, why that particular palette? Maybe you can list the colors too. If someone's listening. Well, I, ha I had an interesting conversation uh, in, my, in, in my online class the other day with somebody who had been working with a. a, a a limited palette, you know, the primary color palette, uh, to keep things simple and lightweight when, when working out in the field. The problem with that is generally you have about a two hour window of time when you're working outdoors. So if you're spending your time mixing paint on your palette so that you can get up to your painting, yeah. Yeah. all of a sudden you're gonna look up and it's gonna be a different subject. So I expanded my palette out to a warm and cool of each of the primaries and green. A couple of modifiers, which are colors I use to gray or alter other colors. And uh, over the years, I've had, added uh, uh, three or four synthetics, colors I want, uh, that I need just to push other colors a little bit farther. And, uh, and it allows me to paint more quickly uh, w when I'm out uh, on location. Um, now, there's a school of thought that uh, you shouldn't use more than three colors, mix more than three colors at a time. But think about that if you're, if you're working with a primary color palette. Uh, you don't have a green, so you're gonna have to mix a yellow and a blue to get a green, okay? So that's two colors. Now you wanna alter it to maybe the warm side or, or maybe gray it a little bit so you throw a red in there, that's three colors. Now if you wanna tweak it back one direction or another, that's four colors. So uh, theoretically, it's gonna keep things cleaner if you limit the number of colors you use for each mixture. But there are so many fine-tuned decisions, fine-tuning decisions that are involved that it's very easy to, to, to be into five or six colors in order to tweak one. Um, but again, getting back to mine, where I have a warm and cool of each of the primaries, that allows me to dive into those colors more quickly. I use two greens. I use a viridian hue is my cool green and a phthalo yellow green. That's a synthetic. Actually, can you go through your palette? And then sure. Maybe somebody can jot this down if they're listening. So for those of you who aren't set on your palette yet, I would highly recommend you lay your palette out in order of the prism from warm to cool. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And what that will do is, as a landscape painter, it will get you to think in terms of uh, obviously warm and cool, but foreground to background, given that things cool as they recede. My palette's the same since uh, college days. I have my cool colors on one side of the palette, my warms on the other and I uh, separate them with a titanium white. So my palette begins with a viridian hue, which is a cool green, an ultramarine blue deep, which is my warm red, a cobalt blue pale, I'm sorry, my warm blue, a cobalt blue pale, which is my cool blue, again, titanium white, and then I have a, a cad yellow lemon, that's my cool yellow, cad yellow, which is my warm yellow, yellow ochre, which is one of my modifiers, it's an earth color that I use to gray or neutralize other colors, great color. I uh, use cat orange, I use uh, alizarin crimson, which is my cool red, I use burnt sienna, 
which is considered a warm red, obviously. It's a burnt orange. That is also one of my modifiers. Uh, a great but dangerous color, and I'll get back to that. Uh, I use a cad red light. That's my warm red. I use a, um, let me see, a Windsor Newton mauve blue shade. These are colors that I added after my initial palette. Uh, a Windsor Newton mauve blue shade, a uh, phthalo yellow green, which replaced an earlier sap green, which I was which I was abusing. That's my warm green. Uh, a hydrangea blue, which is nothing more than a phthalo blue, and a cerulean blue hue. That's my palette. <clears throat> Fairly wide. Uh, I use that palette for every landscape I paint, wherever I go, uh, and it pretty much gives me everything I need. Uh, I just mentioned burnt sienna, and it's a great color, but dangerous. I see probably more mistakes with that color than any other as landscape painters because uh, because it's a dark neutral red and so people will let's say you're painting the, the red rocks of uh, northern Arizona southern Utah and and you, you're looking out at this beautiful pinnacle in the distance you're looking at the ground and it looks like it's a burnt sienna color so you take that a light version of burnt sienna so you take that burnt sienna in the background and introduce it into a shadow to get the value on well that color's so warm that that's never going to read and trying to cool a burnt sienna without turning it to a very ugly color is difficult. So that's why I'm thinking in terms of warm and cool. In a distant area like that, instead of working with the burnt sienna, I'm going to go on to my cool red, which is alizarin. But that allows me, that palette, again, allows me with each of those primary colors to think in terms of light and shadow, warm and cool, foreground and background, warm and cool. And it allows me to get to those mixtures much more quickly so that I can focus on the canvas and that discussion I'm having with my subject rather than mixing uh, an orange that I didn't have on my palette so then I can use that to gray something else or liven something up. So, you know, it's a, it's a personal preference. Um, I can consider that a fairly limited palette, but uh, it allows me to work very quickly and, uh, and more accurately get where I want to be within the, the window of time I have to paint with yeah. it. But, but all this stuff that Matt just talked about is worthless um, unless you understand your values, is that correct? Just to take it back one, one notch. I mean, even though this is really important, right? You would yeah. say, make sure you understand your values first before you get into... You're absolutely correct yeah. on that. And, and that brings me up. There are four basic properties to color. Hue, value, intensity, and temperature. Hue is the color, red, yellow, blue. Value is how dark it is. Uh, intensity is how rich or gray it is. And the temperature is how warm and cool it is. If you write those four principles down and keep them in mind when you're selecting your palette, the broader your range is of uh, each of those principles, the more room you have to work with them. Uh, whereas, you know, I've seen people with a primary color palette, they get a mid-yellow, a mid-red, and a mid-blue, and they wonder why they can't get a super high-key warm or really yeah. deep dark, and it's because they didn't stretch those uh, principles farther. Yeah. Uh, to give them room within which to work. So we're we're still bond, bond, bound, bound by science in a way of what these chemists mix up at least a foundationally for us to use. And so it's interesting. It's a great topic. Maybe eventually we can talk further about it. But in a way, if you understand your colors, you can break those into a, a bigger spectrum. So it's like there's certain colors there just literally was not available uh, 100 years ago. You can get certain some of these colors that you listed. 
but there were still some great paintings. So that's an interesting topic maybe in the future. I don't want to get too deep into this. We don't want to confuse you guys with too much information, but, but understanding the foundation of color is important because you can, in reality, out of the three primaries plus white, you can still go X wide. I understand you can't go as wide as... Well, you, you can, but the, the point of what yeah, I was saying, yeah. and you're getting into the science of color, which, yeah. which goes, yeah. that'll go off into the weeds really quickly. What I'm saying is use those yeah. four principles, hue, value, intensity, yeah. and temperature, yeah. to select those three primary colors. Yeah. So if it were me, I'd get an ultramarine deep, the darkest one okay. I can for my blue. That, that not only hits hue uh, and value, I'd get a cad yellow lemon. Again, hue and value, a dark and a light. Uh, the cad yellow lemon for my yellow and an alizarin crimson for my red. That's a synthetic color. Okay. It's wildly rich and uh, it leans both ways okay. to the warm or cool side. So now I've really spread that out okay. and I have more room within which to work. And you could, you, theoretically, you can mix pretty much anything you yeah. want there. Yeah. You're going to spend a little more time on your palette, Makes which sense. is fine. So. Um, but that's a personal choice. Yeah. And yeah. Meaning, what I'm trying to get at maybe a little bit more is that in art school, I went to the American Academy. Uh, at least, and this was just student stuff, uh, our teacher, Irving Shapiro, didn't want us to use, uh, um, it was, I believe, was black. Um, because, and I didn't understand why, because black is the easiest one to go to for dark, right? Generally, mm -hmm. like, oh, it's, it's the darkest thing. Yep. But, he, but he knew that if we just constantly use that, your painting will, your darks will die. Like, it will not have life in it. I think that was his point. So meaning the more you understand of color mixing, even from a small, a fairly small palette, you can have a, a fairly large, uh, you can mix almost most colors. Any, yeah, anything, color, you, yeah. you can mix what yeah. would be referred to as an optical black, yeah. uh, which so, will yeah. have more life to it. Yeah. Uh, 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 there are two kinds of shadows. There are open shadows and closed shadows. Yeah. A closed shadow is one that's not influenced by reflected light. That's yeah. where you'd look into it and you'd see what theoretically could be called a black. Yeah. You introduce any a, a color into that, and it's going to begin to open that shadow, and you're going to see into it, yeah. which is why I don't use a black. That's just personal preference. Yeah. I mean, if you want to use one, use one. But I can mix a, an yeah. ultramarine blue or, or a, yeah. a Winsor-Newton mauve blue shade with a burnt sienna and get something that's just as dark yeah. as a black yeah. can be. Yeah. But it has a little color to it, and then you can twist it one way or the other to, yeah. to, to get bring a little more life to it. Yeah. We don't want to so, get into this, as you said, we're getting into the weeds a little <laughs> bit with it, but... Um, but it makes for an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, Matt listed his palette. That's the palette that he enjoys painting with. Look at his paintings. You can see a variety of values, colors, everything, you know, the, one, the, the things that he talked about. So you'll have to find your own palette that works the best for you, but... Just think your way through it. What Again, understand those principles yeah. as far as selecting those colors and why you've what? chosen them and how you can use them to your advantage and you'll be better off. Yeah, great. No, this is a, a lot of great stuff to think think about. And uh, again, I think I always think a good teacher will make you think. So we hope that Matt made you think. <laughs> <Here>. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. You bet. My pleasure.